0: Episode 18 of Gaming and BS. Hey, this is Gaming BS. This is one of your hosts, Sean,
1: and I'm Brett. Welcome back.
0: Welcome back. Today, we're going to talk about realignment in and out of game. But until we get to that point, Brett, welcome yes. to the, welcome to the show, man.
1: Oh, thank you. Welcome to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> my voice my voice is pretty rough. Yesterday was worse. The uh, I was at Evercon Friday and Saturday, and uh, it's in the junior high. And being a nice uh, school, it's everything is dry as a bone. Mm. So I mean I I drank I think like two three gallons of water just to try to stay you know hydrated. Everybody was just I'm 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 sure I'm coming down with something as well. Some some kid who played in one of my games probably brought the plague. But whatever, it was all fun and it was a good time.
0: So yeah, and you can elaborate on that a little in a you know later if you want for sure. Oh absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely. So my wife, that voice that you have, the raspy voice when people get yes. all horse, she calls it blowjob voice. <laughs> that's from giving too many blowjobs. Hey,
1: just that's, in that's case that's not my problem. That's not my problem. Just, <laughs> my problem.
0: just in, so I would say, Oh, Brett's got blowjob voice. Whether he's doing that or not. Anyways, hey, just in case you never ever knew, we are explicit.
1: <laughs> just because just because I got mad at you for singing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Bastards. They don't want me to sing on the show. That's
1: because it sounds like shit.
0: Wow. That's it,
1: harsh. Oh no, that's not harsh enough. <laughs>
0: you guys haven't heard me sing like a whole tune because it yeah, was. Yeah,
1: okay. that's okay. That's fine. Because it we was it.
0: Because it was in response to my Spycraft mm-hmm. uh, adventure that I'm going mission that I'm going to run at yes. GaryCon, which just two minutes to midnight.
1: And if you I think public, we are. Uh, we're, we're definitely an explicit podcast. So yeah, that, explicit. That's
0: the point. Hey, warning, explicit. So make sure you go to your game store and go. Hey, you guys really should put this on the speakers. And exactly. that, especially this episode, when we start right off
1: with blowjob voice, blow job that's voice. great. Yeah. That's, that's good.
0: Yeah. Moms all over the place will be going, oh, I totally understand what they're talking about.
1: Oh, wow. Right. She probably right, really. Moving on. <laughs> rare form. moving on. Really, moving on.
0: Really edit that one out. I meant moms as in being mothers and like finding that very right, we're offensive. Done.
1: We're done. You you did rock bottom. <laughs> stop digging. He digging at the bottom of the hole. Oh, for I'm, Christ's I'm sake. Throwing your rope. I'm throwing your rope. We're coming back. Let's oh, go. Oh,
0: God. <clears> damn it. My wife would kill me if she heard what we're talking about. Okay. Let's go into random encounter. So Random Encounter is where we take messages from the community um, of G+, email, comments off our, our website, Twitter, what have you. So before we go into details, I, we got a lot of feedback, and I knew that we would when we uh, recorded episode 17, which was about alignment. I mean, if you can hit a one of the hot buttons of role-playing games, it's alignment. Somebody's bound to come up with a comment or two on whether they use it, whether they hate it, whether they like it whether they see a need for it. So I want to just express my appreciation for everybody that's weighed in one way or another um, and, and mentioned a comment. And and also I want to mention is that there's people that are, I think, personally, are probably more versed, better versed, more well versed in some games than, than I am. Like maybe they've gamed longer or maybe they haven't gamed longer, but they've gamed more often than I have, and they know the rules and the additions and all that stuff. So that's cool. I like that. We're totally – Brett probably knows more about some of the gaming aspects than I do. Um,
1: Well, the cool part is that when you say something – I hit upon this last time – when somebody takes a topic you you bring up in a forum like this, and they take it and say, hey, what they said made me think about this. And even if you're like, dude, I think you're wrong, you missed a point, or hey, what about this – as Sean and I said at the beginning of the last one, you know, it, it's we're only on for about an hour, and if we go too long, it's too long. And um shit, we could talk about alignment all, all night, more yep. or less, you know, kind of either circular arguments, or we could actually get from point A to point B and then have to go back again and start in a different direction. So it was good. It was really cool to see some of the feedback uh, on Google Plus and other places. So it was nice.
0: Yeah. So what we're going to do is talk a little bit about um, – so we're going to go back to that topic and probably with a lot of these emails and comments. And we have about – well, I think even – I think somebody I might have missed too mentioned something about alignment. Um,
1: I know Austin. Austin. Um, I didn't get his – Austin threw up uh, something up onto uh, Google+. Plus. He mentioned mouse guard yeah. and a couple of components there. He was also – he mentioned some of what Adam M. talks about, the, uh, the law and chaos dichotomy, the more perspective and, and that type of thing. So, yeah,
0: I don't want to take any way, anything away from Austin. I just, uh, when I prepared this, he had commented after the fact. So shout out to Austin. Thanks for commenting. And if I pull it up or if Brett pulls it up while wow, one of us is talking, that's great. So, um, so we'll go in, uh, should we, should we read Adam's email? Read it. Okay. So Adam, um, writes in friend of the show. Um, writes in this is Adam from the Drink Spin Run podcast, so yeah, we'll plug his podcast for sure. And the Kick Assistan, Kick Assistan Ministry of Tourism dispatches from Kick Assistan blog, Metal Gods of Urhadad Zine for DCC. So he, Adam has his hands in a lot of stuff. Uh, check out his blog uh, and check out his podcast for sure. I've been enjoying your podcast, so thumbs up from me. However. In your recent episode of Gaming and BS about alignment, I can't help feel like you gents missed the point of alignment. So maybe it's just me, but the word itself, alignment, should mean, quote, that with which a character is aligned, end quote, and thus stares into the dichotomy between law and chaos in a very strong, very Morckian sense. So if he's referencing... um
1: Elric of Malibanae, uh, yeah. Michael, Michael Moorcock, Eternal Champion, all that good stuff.
0: You yeah. never even scratched the surface of alignment in this very tangible sense, but instead kept it to a namby-pambyism that is endemic of AD&D's ninefold alignment system. Sadly, I think that Uncle Gary muddied these waters by adding good and evil to the mix, which cheapens the very tangible concept of aligning oneself referencing his previous aligning oneself with law or chaos or neither and going the neutral route by partitioning the big choices into too many smaller ones. I'm honestly surprised that you gents take uh, as read the nine-fold alignment system and never even stop to consider the original and still widespread three-fold alignment system. You know the system that od and uh, basic expert D&D, uh, BECMI, what is that? Basic, expert, companion. I don't even know what all that is.
1: Uh, basic, expert, companion, uh, masters, immortals. Okay, thank you. D and D. That's that's um, um, Frank Messner's Red Box Start. That's ah, that whole series.
0: Yeah. DCC, <clears throat> Labyrinth Lord, Swords and Wizardry, and huge chunks of the old school of games uh, prefer to use over the moral straightjacketing that is the AD and D system ninefold system. Uh, I'm looking forward to your responses as well as hearing what you your other listeners have to say. I also have a small piece of advice, um, it, and he goes into helping me out with Gary Kent, and I won't go, in, go into that. Um, but he says, catch you both later, and great job eh, on a real fun podcast. Adam, good, don't, quote, good, don't belong in my games, unquote. Oh, and I butcher his last name. Mus- M. <laughs> yeah, Miss Muskevich. Mus- I should call my wife over. She could probably pronounce it better than I could. Muskievich. Well,
1: I'll tell you what. Before before we go too far past this one, on Adam, I got I got a little. Um, I got one rebuttal I like to throw out immediately.
0: Yeah, let's is correct that, him, right? <clears throat> no, <laughs> exactly. Hey,
1: Adam. No, Adam. No, Adam. I'm, one of the things I'm I'm, I'm curious about, and, and I've had this before, is where people are like, oh, uh, basic D and D has always had the um, the Holmes version, the old. Um, Box set with the uh, blue cover with the red dragon, the wizard, and the warrior on it. That one has the ninefold system. I own a copy of it. I have it directly in front of me right now. It actually has the old good law, chaos. um, It says characters may be of lawful, good or evil, neutral or chaotic, good or evil, um, and so forth. So it actually has, excuse me, that entire ninefold system from AD&D. It wasn't until the Moldave and Metzner uh, re-editions a basic D and D that they um, came back to uh, the basic uh, lawful neutral and chaos. Yeah. So it's not, and it's not that right or wrong. Right. Right. <clears throat> but I guess a lot of people, and they think old school D and D, they tend to think the Moldave version or the Messner version. And there actually was one earlier than that, which had the nine, the ninefold version. So, yeah.
0: So yeah, just um, so everybody's on the same page. Now I, I have to admit, I've, Totally uh, ignorant to Labyrinth, Lord, and Swords and Wizardry. I actually have the PDFs. I I might have browsed, perused over them, but honestly, I haven't. I mean, I got so many PDFs. I haven't read a lot of them. And those those two, so I, I'll give Adam the benefit of the doubt. He knows probably those games well better than I do. I know DCC um, has the Law, Chaos, and Evil, Law, Chaos, and...
1: Law, Chaos, and Neutral. I've got thank that you. Yeah. right in front of me right the now.
0: The three-point, right? Yep. Um. So, yes, very valid point. And if you haven't noticed about our podcast, um, and this is not an excuse by any means, but, you know, I think we really, Brett and I tend to argue a lot about the mainstream, you know, kind of stereotypical, whatever's popular. I mean, we kind of talk about Pathfinder on occasion, but not in depth, and we've played it so much, and then D&D, but... Um, I have to admit, I, I never did think about the three-point system. I did touch on it a little bit, I think, in DCC about how clerics' powers yep. infe- uh, influenced or their alignment influenced their healing powers within DCC if they're not aligned with the person they're healing. But, yeah, I have to admit, I didn't think about the three.
1: If you do go back to the older three system or or the quote-unquote newer one, perhaps, if you take like a DCC approach and if the other ones are using – a lawful chaos and neutral perspective. I don't own labyrinth, labyrinth lord, <laughs> or swords and re- wizardry either, so I They're can't free, speak man. to those. I know I just need to grab them. Just haven't done it yet. The cool thing about those is when you read the descriptions there, it is not. I think jacketing perhaps is um is a rough phrase, but nonetheless, it does tend to lead towards that where people use the alignment from the ninefold system, the AD and D one that Gygax, in, and um and Holmes and those guys put together because they're like, okay, what happens if I'm kind of this or kind of that? And then you try to put more rules on it and you're, (coughs) excuse me, the lawful chaos and neutral readings. Whenever you look at the, they have not taken a stand. You're fundamentally about this. You have a fundamental concept of unity. It's very conceptual. It helps you um, from using it more as a guideline than a crutch, using it more as a way to, Say you know what I'm going to adjudicate my character's actions based on um, my theory or my moral compass, a guideline versus a railroad of morality, right? So I can I can definitely see that when you do read them. I mean, I went back, reread them after I saw what Adam had said to us. I reread the different components of the various different systems that I do own, and when you know what there's there's something definitely to be said about just the threefold system of just broader swaths of um, what that is. So you, instead of having to be, um, you know, neutral good, you're lawful. You know, you're like, look, I, I believe in laws. I don't believe that they have to apply everywhere all the time. So my ranger can still be Robin Hood. I'm not chaotic. I don't want the world to break down. I want things to orderly and so forth. But you know what? You know, the the, the prince or the baron is, is uh, misusing the law. Therefore, I will champion the law by going outside of it, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, there's ways to interpret that and work with it where – the other system, if at least from my readings of it, I could see where it becomes more of the to use his phrase, Adams' phrase, the the straitjacket perspective, or even, um, or even just being a crutch. As I've said, you know, it's it's a railroad at that point for some people.
0: Yeah, I do think with uh, the the three point system, you have it's like he said, straitjacketing. You d- you have a lot more latitude right? Oh, I'm chaotic. So I can do whatever the hell comes up, you know, comes up. I can just go crazy. I can go crazy good or I can go crazy bad. You know, it doesn't really matter because there isn't the nine point system that aligns you good, neutral or evil. Yeah. How
1: crazy good can I be? I can go up to this wall or I go up to that wall and there's nothing apart from DCC and perhaps other systems that take a similar tone to it, where if you heal somebody who's like you're lawful and they're chaotic, they may not get the full effect or something like that, some sort of an in-system mechanic. But otherwise, I, I get it. It does provide more latitude and uh, more interpretation and more of a opportunity to have a personal moral code versus a prescriptive moral code from somebody else. I get that. That's cool.
0: Well, yeah, and I haven't, I haven't gone into looking at um, the spells for the three-point system specifically in D&D. Right. So if you're talking about the three point system, I, I, ha, I mean, i just going off assumption here that they don't have protection from evil or do they? Yeah, they do. do oh, they? yeah, they do. So it's protection. Yeah,
1: they have, from, they have all those classic spells are so there, protection from evil, that so type of thing.
0: Yeah, protection from evil, but there's no evil alignment. Correct. Right. right? So, OK.
1: I Again, I, I there's more and more research I can do if I were to care to do it. I get I get the point here, though, saying yeah. that. From his perspective and a lot of OSR folks, and I get it, and it, I, I am kind of buying into it here, is that, you know what, if I just go with those three, it gives me the opportunity to build my own moral code, almost like in a GURPS sense where I have Code of Honor or something like that. I want to have a Bushido code or whatever the case may be. I think this also leads a little bit towards um, the other piece I want to talk about is kind of the in, in and out of game reactions to it. I think if we go on to uh, Christian Serrano's piece that he had on Google+. Plus. Um, between his and the uh, one that um, um, Austin had brought up, I think we can kind of slide into the next pieces of it.
0: Yeah. So just to wrap up, Adam, I think it. I think it's with any role playing game, it's how you want to run it and how your players want you to run it, and everybody's on the same page and everybody will be just fine. And if it an alignment can be. Done any way you want. I mean, you can use a nine-point alignment in a three-point system. It does. I mean, if you want, it. That's that's the beauty of RPGs, right? So I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. And I do certainly appreciate Adam calling us out on, on the on the floor and saying, "Hey, I think you guys might have sugarcoated it and glossed over it a little." It bit. W-
1: it, it was good because it forced me to crack open. You know, I had to dust off a couple books, tear through them, and say, "You know what? I, he's right. This, this is when I read these as written." is more in line with how i play honestly um when i play old school ad and d or whatever it is when i run through things with my characters is like you tend to play in the broader swaths so that people have some latitude to move and adjust with and you look at what's the basic concept of things i'm do you believe in laws or do you believe in absolute chaos well right. obviously my guy's not absolute chaos he has a little bit of law to him so i guess i'll lean over there or you know what I'm more of a nature-loving druid guy. I'm just going to stick neutral. I just won't make a call. So,
0: well, and, anyway, and and just beating this dead horse just one more time. The one thing that I can appreciate with the 3 point system is if you decide that you're chaotic or or lawful or whatever, you can it, it alleviates the one piece that we talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, the one piece we talked about in the last episode about um the perception of what is evil and what's not it it removes that completely right so you're just going to go i'm chaotic and then it's going to be based on your actions on whether somebody will consider you good or evil and it depends on what side of the fence or what side of the line you're on so i think that's kind of cool makes sense
1: yeah that does make sense all
0: right so moving on to another one uh christian serrano Christian, who uh, oversees the Savage uh, Worlds community on Google+, and is a very active member out there. He says, in the middle of listening to this episode, and I'm at the point at which Sean is talking about playing a cleric and trying to convert the other players to believers before healing them for free. So, to reference back to what I was saying was, um, say I'm a good cleric of uh, Zeus, and I go to heal somebody and they're not a follower of Zeus. My take would be, well, I'm not going to heal you unless you see the light in Zeus or maybe you'll pay a tithe and then uh, that will go to the church and I will heal you kind of thing. So that's what I was getting at and that's what he's commenting on. So I disagree, going back to him, I disagree with this model of role-playing alignment, especially for good aligned clerics. Rather than assuming the cleric is out to spread the word, the cleric could be out to enact their deity's will. That means a good aligned cleric of a God of healing might heal anyone regardless of alignment because it's the good and right thing to do. Uh, Think unconditional love. Additionally, a party member of a different alignment is still working toward the same goal and healing her benefits, the cleric and his goals. Taking the example of the druid and cutting down trees. I don't remember. Did you mention that one?
1: Yeah, I brought that up. Okay.
0: Um, A druid could believe that nature is there to provide. Even the druid's weapons are made from nature. The wooden shield is made from solid wood, not the stuff rotting on the forest floor. The scimitar's blade is made from steel, mined from the earth. Rather than threaten the party for chopping down a tree, the druid could simply choose to act on the party's behalf by balancing the chopping of a tree by planting a seed. To summarize, differences in alignment doesn't have to mean conflict among party members.
1: I agree with that last statement. I think the first piece where Christian says, "I disagree with this model of role playing alignment." Okay, that's that's good. I'm assuming then Christian you don't play clerics like that. That's fine. Right. However, I think the last statement is probably what he, he really means to say is and I apologize Christian if I'm, I'm putting more uh, seasoning on your phrasing here than, than you mean, but Sprinkle so, it on look, there. there.
0: Sprinkle it on there. The,
1: <clears throat> there's other ways to do it. right? Sean's example and Brett's example are two examples of possible options. Clearly the cleric could be like, look, I'm a good deity, and, uh, you know, and I'm just going to keep silently and passionately providing healing to this group because it's the will of my God. If anyone questions why I've healed this chaotic person in my group, I'll say it is the will of Odin that I maintain this party's health because we're on a great quest, and it is not in my power or not my right to judge his soul or his actions that is for the gods. I get that. That totally makes sense. I think, again, that's where... We've said this a number of times is that you have to be able to say, This is how I'm gonna play my cleric, Mr. GM. Hey, party, this is how my cleric works. This is how I play him. I want to do this with my faith. I think this is the type of person he is. Is that acceptable in your world? Does that work for the group? And the group might say, you know what? That's if somebody says, you know what, dude, Sean, if you play your cleric like that, um, that just doesn't work. You know, our group doesn't play like that. Um, it's one thing. To not want to be a walking band-aid. I get that. You're not a first aid kit, but you can't demand money for healing. That just seems wrong. Okay, okay. It gives you a piece you can back off on or whatever it is. And it's not and this is kind of where I was going with the in versus with the in-game reactions versus in and out of game reactions and such, which we'll talk about in a second here. But if you want to in-game act a certain way, you're gonna to have to then in game be willing to accept certain consequences for those actions. So I think Christian's other examples here are super solid examples. And quite frankly, I see more of these types of examples than the more extreme examples that Sean and I threw out last time where people are, are uh, a druid and they're like, look, I get it. You have to cut down a tree to this. You know, I pay homage to a but hi, I plant some seeds. I actually I had druids do that every time we would make a fire, they'd plant five, six tr- trees in in a group I had in high school and stuff just to, you know, make up for the damage or the taking of making sure you're replenishing. I've seen that type of thing before. And that, those are great options to do to make the cleric who is a sterling example of a deity's faith and alignment to uh, then be more real, something a little more realistic other than again, just a a walking bag of healing.
0: Yeah. All right. So thanks for tuning in. No, (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, yeah, and so th-
1: again, again, it's good points. I mean, those yeah. Christian has some good those are really good examples. I like them, and they're softer examples than the ones you and I threw We kind of went, yeah, we did one so, yeah. way hard the other way, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I think I would, and that does lead me to probably rethink how I would play a, a cleric in, in the future. But I think that, uh, yeah, I guess it depends on what the cleric, uh, what the deity's kind of overarching, arching mission is, uh, or purpose. So
1: if it's I think, you know, if you look at some of the uh, Greyhawk deities, the way at least they were starting to get redeveloped through third edition, um, Foltus, was it Foltus, the one sun god or someone was like this bastard of a god, basically, where his paladins were the best and they were essentially holy terrors, you know, kind of like almost, at least as they were described to me, God, I'm, may, I may totally be rem- misremembering this, but even take that god out, I mean, there's been times when you've had the worst of the crusades or the worst of this holy war, or the worst of these groups of people in a fantasy world. And sometimes the the God may have that type of perspective and his clerics may or may not, as other people have said, um, not necessarily follow the purest of the pure law, or the purest of the lawful good per se, but have a really skewed version of what that might be. So anyway, it's good. It's good stuff. It, if it made me think reading, Reading his perspective on it, if nothing else, just to see how other people do it, and those are some damn good episodes yeah. or uh, excuse me, ideas, not episodes, der uh, examples, der really good examples, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and there was a like I think Nick had a comment about his paladin that we that he was kind of making an example of. Um, I think they something about his paladin <laughs> being neutered.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I saw. Yeah, so I was like, what? Yeah, he had one. Uh, uh, Nick had said that his his Paladin lost his Paladin powers for killing animals right. that attacked him. That's right. I got it. And up He actually front of got me. pissed. He got pissed off enough. He wrote to Dragon Magazine. That's right. And it, it, I think it spawned a lawful good is not lawful stupid type of editorial from Roger Moore in the day.
0: Yeah, that's right. He did mention it. Um, and then Austin, I, I cannot. Yeah, I've got
1: Austin's Do up you? here in front of me. Yeah, <clears throat> he was talking about how we kind of the law of chaos dichotomy uh, didn't get kind of deeper nods. And quite frankly, I think that is, it's the three point system we've already covered. So I think Austin is in that piece of it. And it does allow for more shades of gray in between good and evil with the long cast being even larger um, sources of, of a moral compass or a moral lens. <clears throat> he also said it was reminded of uh, things he really likes from burning wheeled mouse guard and Torchbearer, which is the belief section for characters Uh, he says, to me it seems a quite elegant tool that serves some of the same purposes that alignment does. Since it's supposed to to be a sort of overarching moral stance, because it's more specific than alignment itself is, it makes it a lot easier for a GM to play off of those big things, or to create dramatic scenes where there really is a moral quandary for the characters, if not the group as a whole, because it forces the players to Uh, work out what their characters believe and dig more deeply into why they would believe what they do believe. So from his perspective, that type of um, the belief system within burning wheel, mouse guard, Torchbearer, that type of thing. He sees that is, um, it, it seems to me again, Austin, forgive me if I'm putting some words in your mouth, a more visceral or a more real world. This is a quandary. Even it's more down to earth than the, larger chaos versus law or lawful good versus neutral good. And the, the hair splitting between the two comes down to more real worldly. How the heck do we split this thing up?
0: Yeah. All right. All, all, all good stuff. Last thing, um, before we start getting into some other stuff that we've got notes down, I think we might've covered some of them anyway. Um, there was a little thread on Twitter as well. So Chris, um, Watcher underscore 969 mentioned something about um, alignment. Generally not use it. Would rather ask about scenarios and let PCs let me know uh, thoughts so they get in character. Uh, our buddy Michael Alhauser at uh, Graylike. I can't remember his full Twitter handle. It'll be in the show notes. But he mentions, we mostly played a good in D&D style games. Rarely came into question, though. Gamers playing, P-L-A-N-E mentioned i think of alignment as a quick guide rather than a solid i judged alignment spells on how players role play that i agree with but uh find some questions at beginning will help pcs with how they approach the world and then michael sums it up definitely on that note mouse guard rpg had some great ideas with beliefs instincts as well going back to what austin mentioned so appreciative of everybody's, uh, all the dialogue. Um, great, super awesome, much appreciated for sure. And I think we will all kind of approach things in our own unique way. And I, again, I mean, man, this, this podcast would be like one episode if we just said, you know what? All you gotta do is talk with your players and your GM and make sure everybody's on the same same page.
1: It's all social contract, man. If you can't agree to that, just walk away. Yeah. That's not going to work. All
0: right. Well, Episode one of all podcasts, uh, gaming podcasts.
1: Yeah, please talk, make sure you talk to each other. Communicate. Hey! Done. Now, now what happens then is that you've communicated, right? And then the rubber meets the road. You're in the game. You're doing stuff. You're playing. You're moving. You're grooving. You've got the uh, Menzner version or the DCC or some other OR, OSR. You've got Mouse Guard or wherever it is. Bonds or all these different mechanics and either if you choose to use it as a railroad for your morality or a guideline for your morality, I think what happens then is that it becomes <clears throat> how you're role-playing it. And we mentioned this last time. to where Sean and I get in got into the examples of clerics being assholes or different players being assholes. When it comes down to it is the, the old saw of, well, don't make me compromise my character concept. You guys said at the beginning that if – it sounded cool that Sean had a cleric that would charge me gold if I didn't convert. And I chose not to convert because I don't want to. And, you know, now I'm in this bind and I'm yelling at him and he won't heal me. And this is not working. And Then you end up getting in a, uh, an out of character, out of game, you know, a Sean and Brett argument versus an in character argument. And I think some of those, some of those character, um, designs or formats or methods for playing them, when you're doing it, there is a weird line of you're role playing a character concept that is potentially or is actively at this moment you know when when the stress hits you are causing stress to the group you're not doing something that is for the benefit of the group in a in a group style play. you're actively not helping somebody you're being a dick or perceptively being a dick because your character says, "I'm sorry, you know i I told you." you know, if I heal you one more time for free, you owe me. Or, excuse me, I told you that my God doesn't allow this. Or I told you that if I caught you stealing from the party again, I was going to chop off a finger. And by God, I'm chopping off a finger. Or um, anything else that basically you want to do in character that you think is, you know, what you should be doing, it creates this confrontational environment between the PCs. And if you're ready to do player versus player combat or, if your group likes that and uh, gets off on having the players antagonistically back and forth at each other, when you're five levels down in an orc-infested dungeon, okay, if that's fun for you. But most people I know that I've spoken to over the years when they talk about those type of scenarios, those are usually, oh, yeah, that one asshole we don't play with anymore, or that one person, she sucked, and this is why um, she doesn't DM for us anymore, or, this guy was terrible, he always did this thing. And they have these st- <laughs> these very deliberate examples of somebody who was – not compromising their character and playing their character and using alignment as a railroad for their morality or a railroad or a, a crutch that let them do whatever the hell they wanted to um, or whatever it is. And we, we touched on that last time, and I really think that my perspective is that if you're going to insist on acting a certain way in character, that's fine. That's great. But you then must be willing to accept reactions from other players in character. If Sean reacts to me in character and steals my stuff because his thief is hell-bent on collecting all the gems, he doesn't want anybody else to have any gems. That's a weird quirk he's got. He picks my pocket and steals my gems. Okay, he told me at the beginning he has a weird character flaw, blah, 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 must steal all the gems. I then threaten him, give it back, no, give it back, no, and I kill him in character in a brawl or I beat him senseless okay and then he comes back you wish i wish (laughs) i might actually hit you with a book no i'm kidding but if you have i mean player versus player death is always the the ultimate extreme example with the the passive aggressive shit that happens afterwards or the needling it's very quickly steps away from character versus character to player versus player
0: yeah it goes right outside the game and then it totally goes outside totally kick that guy's ass he shows up next week (laughs)
1: Exactly. You well, got you got the
0: tension in the room really freaking changes in those totally dynamics. Does. I mean, you're yeah. like, whoa, it got really freaking cold in here and I live in Florida and it's freaking July.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's, I, was, I was at the uh, after Evercon, Saturday after it wrapped up, I went out to uh the One Microbrew in, in uh, Wausau. The Great Dane has a uh, has a has a place up there. So Lenny's there and Kevin, Austin and Zave, the four <clears throat> the five of us are just sitting there no, there's five of us. No, four of us. I can't count. Four of us are sitting there talking over beers. And Lenny's like, yeah, I don't care so much about the alignment thing, blah, blah, blah. And because, you know, I understand his perspective, whatever. Then we got talking about Guardians of the Galaxy because his kids like it. He liked it. I like it. My kids like it. And um, we there's talked a about it.
0: There's a meme out there. I know where you're going. Did you, is there it, is. Are you basing it off of that meme? or did
1: you... I don't I, I don't know oh. if there is a meme. Honestly. Yeah, I, I would is. doubt that there is. But my kid, we were talking about it, and I'm going to throw the spoiler out there, so if you don't want to hear it, please bleep the next couple minutes. But there's a scene at some point where the characters are all doing the right thing. They're all kind of linking together and making the good thing happen. Even at the very beginning when they meet, they have different alignments, they have different perspectives. Drax is, you know, has one sole mission. This woman has one. Well, I can't remember her name. She has one sole mission. You know, Star-Lord is a selfish prick with weird parental issues. And Rocket Raccoon and Groot. Groot is like the only really good aligned person in the group or however you want to look at it. But just put a D&D lens on it, though. That is a dysfunctional yet functional adventuring party. They sit in a room at one point and they bitch each other out. You have how much percent of a plan? you got a quarter of a... That's not even half a plan. They have this bitch-fest argument where they run each other down, call each other stupid and smelly, and they go back and forth. But at the end of it, they do the job. They do it right, and they win, and it's great, and they're all in it together. They're going to have more fights. You know, it's the Fantastic Four. They're always bitching and complaining, and, you know, the Ben Grimm hey, can't stand the torch because the torch is picking on him or whatever the case is. But when they have a job to do, they knuckle down and do it. And when it's happening, when the big fight's going on, Drax, Groot... Rocket, they're all there together doing the thing as a team. They get the job done, step out, they save each other's ass multiple times, back and forth, you know, heal each other up, whatever it is. But that, to me, is an adventure party. And then he goes, that makes sense. I think I, think I like that perspective. And partly because what they came to the group with, you had people that were soulless murderers that were hell-bent on only death and destruction. And then once they came to this adventuring group, their moral code kind of changed, right? Then they became part of something bigger than themselves, even if it's something as simple as the group. So that was kind of a long spiel. But anyway, that's kind of a, if you're going to have odd moral choices or dilemmas or whatever it is, that was just to me a very current example of different perspectives, getting in a group, figuring shit out, threatening to kill each other left and right, but you don't actually have to do it. You can have a really good time, but it doesn't have to spill over. So you've got two gamers who just want to beat each other to death with two liter Coke bottles. <laughs> well, oh, if, man. If, you, if you've never had a two liter Coke bottle swung at your head, you, you, you haven't gamed long enough. That's what I say.
0: Oh, so you, you have had that happen.
1: Well, maybe.
0: <laughs> or had you just been the, I'm the referee and they're wanting to like go at it. Okay.
1: Maybe a little bit of both. Okay. Uh,
0: before we continue, we should probably get a word in for our sponsor. Good idea. Michael Althauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com.
1: Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors. You name it, he can pull it off for you.
0: Be sure to mention gaming NBS for a ten percent discount when you place your order at the website Grayed Out. That's G R E Y E D O U T dot etsy dot com. All right, we're back. Uh, so small technical sna- snafu. We're gonna try to merge. We- I don't know what the hell happened.
1: It doesn't matter. Sean will make it work, just like you. Just like you did our uh, iTunes updates. Yeah, well. half half
0: the stuff Brett says is not even Brett. I just I recreate some type of audio
1: and AI and I, put I, it on there. He just recorded me bitching in the lunchroom one time for like three hours, and he just <laughs> snips it in periodically.
0: Every, so I have a I have a dictionary of everything Brett has said, and I just take every word and make it a conversation. So Brett is an if, illusion.
1: Eventually, you'll just have Brett's voice reading Shakespeare because you get enough monkeys. There you go. That's
0: right. So leaving (coughs) off, off, right.
1: Yeah, where I was going is that, Sean, do you see when when you're DMing or even when you're playing, when you have whatever version of alignment or moral code or whatever you have there, I think where people break down and really have an issue with it isn't necessarily with NPCs because there's always a tweak or a reason the the NPC is the way he is. I think it comes down more to character and character interact, character versus character interactions, where the kobold throws his hand up, begs for quarter, promises he'll tell you guys a secret if only you let him live. The paladin insists that we do the honorable thing, and the chaotic thief says, No, stab the fucker. I've had enough of these little bastards. I think that's where the morality railroad issue comes in versus the guideline, you know.
0: Yeah, no. Or I've had it where
1: the paladin's like, "No, I'm sorry, they're chaotic evil. They all gotta go." And then it becomes player on player versus player, not player on player action. That that could be kind of disgusting, but hey. um, <laughs> but I think when when I, when we mentioned last time, it, it it allows people to be a dick or make stupid choices or just be an ass at the table. and We all have examples of that type of thing we've seen. Um, even something as simple as poor Nick and the DM neutering his paladin because he dared to kill a ravenous wolf that was attacking his paladin of all fucking stupid things. When you have, how do I do this? When your character is behaving in a certain way and you're using it as a shield to don't make me compromise my character, don't tell me I'm doing this wrong because I'm lawful good, therefore I must, or you guys agreed that at the beginning it was cute that Sean had a paladin or a cleric that wouldn't heal you without you converting or paying. And now you're decided, well, I don't really want to do that anymore. And Sean decides to hold his ground. If you want to react in kind character wise, that's fine. But as we've hinted to before, it can make the table kind of icy, right? Where people, it becomes player angry at other player. So I mean, what's when you DM you don't like to have evil characters, right?
0: Not unless it's a, unless it's an evil campaign. Unless, unless I start an out and go, campaign. Everybody's gonna create and they're gonna be a, a group of bandit thugs.
1: So when you've got that guy who or you know, man, woman in the game says, Look, I'm I you know, I'm a chaotic neutral thief and I really wanted that gem. The dwarven fighter said, No, it's a dwarven relic and I'm like, No, it's not, it's just another one of the million gems, just no, I'm going to steal it from him. Then the dwarf, you know, I do that. The dwarf's player's character catches me doing it, and he wants to smack me on the head. And then I get pissed off as a player, right? Right. So yeah.
0: uh, hey, roll for initiative, man. Exactly. I would. I would have him roll for. We had. We had this one incident come up in Doc's Gamer. Uh, it was a few months ago, but it was one of those situations where it was like. Dude, don't be a dick. I don't care. I'm going to do this. And it was like a barbarian versus like, mm, I don't know if he was a mage, warlock or something like that. So the barbarian would have crushed his face off. And, oh, well. And it was to the point where it was like everybody just kind of sat there and the DM, DM didn't do anything. And I can't remember the specifics of the scenario of just, but it came down to something like that. Like, I'm going to do this. And you're like, no, you're not. And it was like, yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. And it's like no, you're not. I just sat there and waited till it to resolve, and
1: <laughs> somebody do something. Somebody
0: did something, and I can't remember what the resolution was. And I apologize for the story that I cannot finish. It's like a, it's like a joke without a punchline, but it was really, um, and it happens, but very, it doesn't happen often. But when it does, it's really freaking awkward. And I think when it comes down to it, is. They're just unwilling to budge because they just say that their character would never, ever, ever do that. And it's like, really? Never, ever, ever, ever? There's no flexibility, not even like with this one situation
1: at all? I think, think, and this is kind of where I was going with the Guardians of the Galaxy perspective, is that you may have come from a certain thing and you never, ever, ever would have now. And perhaps this moment right now has triggered something and you've got this great in-game story reason why the dwarf believes that this is the gem that belonged to his great father from of old or whatever the case is. And that's fine. Okay. But if you, I guess where I'm coming from is that the other piece that comes into is that making it clear as the game master and as players between each other, like, look, if I do something in character and the rest of you all decide that, you know what, you got to kick Brett's character out, not Brett. You have to be able to say, look, Brett, that thief who's been trying to steal from the party, the last two dungeons we've been in, he's fucking gone. You know, Balto, Nine Fingers. I don't want to see Balto's face again. If I ever see that bastard again, this group will kill him. He's endangered us one too many times. He's withheld magic items that we could have used to finish the last two quests. He's gone. Right. I, as soon as we're out of here, he's punted. Please, Brett, go make another character. And so- I think then I, as a player, need to be grown up enough Put on the big boy pants and say, you know what? That's fine. Yeah, ball nine fingers. He was a fucker. You know, I didn't plan him that way, but that's kind of how I played him out. So sorry, guys. I'll, I'll make a new thief for you or whatever. You got to be able to do that because if you don't do that, then you're asking for – you're asking to be treated with um, kid gloves or a special case just for you because I have a character comp – position that can't be compromised. And my character position is so much more special than everybody else's. I get to fuck over the rest of the group so I can have this special limelight. It's a very selfish, selfish thing to do.
0: That's yeah. how I see it. Yeah. And as you were saying that, I'm like, I drank a, a pull of like Drambuie and went down the wrong way. And I'm like, that stuff is not good. If it goes down the wrong way,
1: you can't, no matter how much liquor you drink, you cannot breathe it. I have tried many, many
0: times. Yeah. It's weird that way.
1: Especially after the sheer volumes that you and I have had, you should be able to to just breathe it at this point. Right. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, so you you get what I'm saying though?
0: Yeah, I do. And I think that there, it's weird. So if you start out a campaign and it's like you have um, this party. So again, Fear the Boot has this party template that they use or they promote. And it's really those bonds and connections. But I can see even then, like, oh, I know – I know that person, and that person knows another person, but I don't know that other person. So you get these like disconnections somewhat, even though you're like. So I also think that it's a responsibility that, hey, if I'm connected to Brett and Brett knows Zave, but I don't know Zave, and I treat Zave like a dickhead, Brett probably needs to put me in check and say, hey, you're being a dickhead, and this guy isn't really being that bad. Or, say it crumbles and you get to in your GM and you say, Hey, if it gets to this point, you got to be able to take the character and turn them over to the DM or GM and say, okay, like you said, and then that, I, I think it would be cool if that dickhead became like, got kicked out of the party, and then the GM used them as an NPC to come back and dick with the party every once. in Oh a while. yeah, he,
1: he knows everything about the party, right? Right. You're like, look, you killed a Balto, you kick Balto nine fingers out because he's a fucker thief and he has stolen from the party. Whatever, <clears throat> he's gone. Hey, uh, Brett, could you pass that over here? Says so Sean. Because guess what, Balto nine fingers is a vindictive little bastard <laughs> and he's coming, coming after bad. you. Yeah. First thing he does is he goes to this great evil wizard and goes, "Hey, you know those bastards who've been stomping on your door the last couple of times? Yeah, I know everything about them." So that's kind of cool. The other piece that it does, I think if you if you do it right, then you are not compromising your character. You are playing that character to its fruition in one way or another. My character is Balto Fingers, the Bastard Thief, Bastard Cleric, whatever, Bastard Mage, Bastard Superman, doesn't matter, who has this moral method. And up until this point, everyone tolerated me. And suddenly, I the straw broke the camel's back. We're done with it. Balto Fingers is gone. I need to say, you know what? That's cool. Thank you guys for letting me play him. He was a bastard. I know you all hated him, but I had a lot of fun playing him. It was pretty challenging. Thanks, guys. I'll come back with something else. What does a group need? Or I would like this. Here's my other concept I'd like to bring to the table. You cannot take some of that stuff personally. Right. Because when you are imposing your character's will on the, the story like everybody else is and things react negatively to that imposition. You just got to cope. Just yeah. deal with it. Get the big boy clothes wow. on and just suck it up. I concur. Yeah.
0: All right. So alignment, we'll talk about this next week too. So if we didn't, we've missed anything, let us know and we'll bring it up again. And
1: no, we we're won't. Just, we're going to be like the You know
0: <laughs> Talk about alignment forever. The alignment podcast. podcast. Yeah. We're a hundred yeah. episodes in. We've talked about alignment in every single one. It's, then it becomes like a philosophical <laughs> podcast. Paper, no, yeah. 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 The Eastern Honestly, civilization see alignment as this.
1: <laughs> I think, though, the, the points that were made earlier by the, the folks that wrote in and talked about it outside were good stuff. It's always good to think about it from different angles. Yeah. It is good. And it's also nice to when I see something like that, it makes me think like, oh, yeah. Can I use that? Oh, you know what? That's a slightly better way to do something. I'll use that verbiage, whatever it is next time I explain it to a group or whatever the case is. It's always good to have to have more uh, stuff in your pocket yeah. as a game master or as a player to help the group out. I think at the end of the day, if you're using alignment as a crutch uh, so that you, you know you can do stuff and then have it be a shield then that no one can react negatively to you because you're playing your character this way and, and so on and so forth, you need to be an adult and suck it up, and that when Balto Nine Fingers is a fucker, he gets the fucker's reward and gets kicked out or killed or whatever else happens to him. You know, I still just think that I
0: still think a good way is just to remove alignment. Done, and then if you say protection from evil type spells or protection from good, you you manipulate those somehow.
1: Yep, I, I mean that's what I do. Yeah, uh, most of the time and it works pretty well for my group. But again, we've been yep. playing together for a long time. We've got a good. Back and forth, going, and we sort that out ourselves. Right. But if you don't, the main thing is, is you know, it's it comes down to this is what I said I was going to do, and uh, you know, if, if it changes in the game, if it's in character, don't get mad when somebody else in character smacks you down for being silly.
0: Smack down. All right. Smack. As you can hear, Brett's rifling through the dice bag. Die roll. Time two to four points that we bring up that at the end of the show that have to do with role playing games, topics geekery, whatever comes up that we think people should be aware of. And Brett went to a con this weekend.
1: I did. It was really cool. There's I've got pictures two different. Online. There are yeah,
0: and um, you made the news. Brett, Brett's looked- on a news clip, jumping up and down in some goofy voice on on some NBC affiliate up there in the Wausau area, which I will hopefully hunt down and make into an awesome GIF for everybody to share.
1: It's on it's on my Google Plus page. If you follow me, I have posted a link to it, so it's out there. Anyway, it was really cool. When I what we did was what happened there was we wanted to do a live role playing event, kind of in the round, if you will, and we opened it up at the start of the con, at like. God, I think it opened at like 6.30 on Friday from there until it closed at about 8.30, 9 o'clock. We just ran. We had tons of people coming in and out. Watched, what are you guys playing? We chose Pathfinder because that was just what most of the players who were going to be in there knew. It was, we could use some minis and have a lot of fun. <clears throat> so we had that all laid out. And it was shit ton of combat, some discussion back and forth. What's this rule? How's that? Periodically, I'd grab a kid out of the audience and pull him over and say, hey, here's two options for what these bad guys could do. What do you want them to do? And they always choose the most brutal, nastiest thing possible. So then I would go back and just beat the characters with them. And when they fought the huge dragon at the end, one um, of the kids shouted out to Zabe's character, what you need to do is use that utilitarian rod you have and do this with it. He goes, good enough, I'll do it. And other kids would start shouting out to the rest of the players because they sat there for like three hours watching his play, throwing advice in or listening, what's that? What's that spell do? And just paying attention in general. So then at the big, every time there was a fight, somebody would throw out an idea and we would grab it and and incorporate it in. It was a blast. And that's when they caught me jumping up on a chair and screaming. So it was, (laughs) when the news guy came in, that was kind of cool. It worked really well. And the nice thing about it was there are, I ran an old school uh, challenge where we pulled an old dungeon magazine. I mentioned this a couple podcasts ago. My buddy Alpha and I ran three different groups of players through these challenges, the ones that won, I then ran them through the tomb of Horrors. They got pretty far in, but of course they all died because it's the tomb of fucking Horrors, man. You're going to die. But it was a hoot. We had a blast. The The team that won got um, grayed out dice bags, you know, from Michael Althauser. It was, it was really slick. Um, but everybody who came to the live Pathfinder event saw what was going on. And the one group was just a, a two kid team that came to do the challenges. And we knew we might have some small crews like that. And they, one kid said, I'm a total noob. I've never played before, but that just looked really fun. And <laughs> the guys and I running, were like, we can't turn these kids away. They want to try this. They've never done it before. You're in. Get in here, kid. Yeah. And his one buddy had kind of played before, but not really. And uh, it, was all, it was just a blast. It was so much fun. We've already got a slightly different idea of how we're going to improve it for next year and Sweet. whatnot. But uh, it, was, it was so much fun. Good times. Very good times.
0: So I I uh, had a couple. Are you good? Is that it?
1: I'm good. That all that's right. all I had, man.
0: All right. So when I had, uh, I found a YouTube video on how to fight with a dagger.
1: Stab shit, right? Yeah. Poke, poke, poke. Yeah.
0: Uh, check it out. Link in the show notes. If you don't is know it how...
1: like seriously how to fight with a dagger? Yeah, some... or is well, like the guy's too...
0: English, so he must be oh, there he, legit. No suit, yeah. Well, I mean, he's got an accent and he probably grew up fighting with a dagger. So I figured. <laughs>
1: just, yeah. Cause everyone in England has a castle, a moat and they all get daggers. Yes.
0: Oh, is that racist? Lousy... Is that racist? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I just, oh, okay.
1: I just, it's ignorant. That's what oh. it is.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, okay. Well, whatever. Hey, and, you know, I'm drinking scotch and I'm an Irish guy. I don't know what the hell's going I, on. I don't, I don't cats, know cats and dogs sleeping together. Oh, uh, so check that out. Uh, it's actually a pretty good video. Um, it, so I thought I, I'd post that to die roll because everybody got crazy on the guy with the 50,000 arrows in, like, 30 seconds. You know, can you shoot this so many? And this guy actually showed it off and every, it made its rounds on YouTube, so I figured out I mean, this guy's a dagger dude, so check it out.
1: Cool. I'll look at it.
0: Yeah. So that way when your uh, wizard pulls out a dagger to stab something, you can go, well, how do you do that? Well, if you do it that way, it's going to fly out of your hand. As I saw a video on YouTube.
1: I saw a video on YouTube from Englishmen, and they know daggers, um, told me specifically that you, you 14-year-old moron, don't know how to use a dagger. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) All right, moving on.
0: Saw another uh a YouTube video, a futuristic short film by the name of Telescope. Check it out. Uh I got through like like I didn't get very through it, but it looked really cool and I figured check it out and let me know what it looks like. Tell me if it's cool.
1: Sean has the attention span of a ferret last ball. I was factory. going through and
0: I'm like, I got to find some something to die roll, you know. I got <laughs> I got to contribute to something, give these people give them something to I don't know.
1: There's something uh, besides your voice. Good. That's oh, right. moving
0: on. <laughs> Next, Gurp's care uh calculator, which I think has been out there but and I saw it and it's it's like a mo- it looks when you go to the website. I'll have a link again in the show notes and you can create an account. Um but when you go to the website, it looks like a mobile app on the website. So I'm guessing that it's supposed to be wo- mobile optimized, but they actually um they don't do a good job of it like being in my opinion, it's like web and mobile are two different things. So is
1: it like you add two GURPSs, you get a gerps eye, or what? What is this like? F- rat, figure out your character's points. Or um,
0: no, GURP? it's uh, I can uh, I don't Gurps have plus it. Gurps equals gerps eye. Don't be, don't be cheeky. Don't be cheeky. <laughs> All right, so, so uh yeah,
1: that's that's cool. I mean, well, so when you looked at it, what did you find? Is it just like well, I'm about really cool, to tell you or? if
0: you give me a freaking second to talk. <laughs>
1: All right, fine. Keep going.
0: Jesus, this guy. Um, Roll 3D now. So it's got a die roller. Boop. You just hit it. tells you. Oh, cool. It says campaigns, which I imagine if you log in, there may be, I don't know if you can set up a campaign and then you uh, connect to it. There's a tracker, uh, collision and fall damage. There is a dice roller. And then you can go and it's got like number of dice, the modifier, multiple number of rolls, the target. And then I think that's about it. But if you're a GURPS person, you know, everybody knows how goofy, crunchy GURPS can get. And not necessarily with like, I mean, it's always, excuse me, 3D6. But um, check it out. It's in there. It's a good resource. And if it's not, well, and you run GURPS and you can say it sucks and that's fine.
1: GURPS is one of the systems that I own like three, I think three different incarnations of the rules. And every time I read it, I go, I really want to do this. And I've yet to find a group that wants to play it. I'll play. Will you, you? Okay. Well, what are you going to, I mean,
0: it depends. GURPS is, I, I mean, so, I mean, you can, well, you play can do anything you want yeah. with it, right? Yeah.
1: Right, yeah. So oh, I've yeah. had different, I've had different ideas about it and I tried it a couple different times and each time the group was like, yeah, I never really liked this last time I played. I'm like, what the fuck did you let me do this for? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, cool. Sure. I'll yeah. have to check that out.
0: Yeah. Um, So that's uh, pretty much, I think, all that I had for the most part. So it's 2015. One thing I did not bring up that I wanted to ask Brett, so I'm going to put him on the spot. Do it. See if he can come up with it in the next minute. Brett, one thing you want to do in 2015 when it comes to gaming that you did not do in 2014?
1: Uh, What did I not do? Oh, I need to run a game at GameHoleCon seems pretty easy it's very easy I, I set the bar low it's easier to step over it that way i uh so
0: yeah that's great <laughs> what are you gonna do
1: I, I couldn't think of anything else offhand
0: Cust uh audience member what are you gonna do in 2015 in gaming that you did not do in 2014 this year i think what i'm gonna try to do jeez ah, i don't know I have. I haven't really thought about it much.
1: Oh, and the music ended. We're done. With the come back after it.
0: Yeah, suspense. If you want to know what Sean's going to do in 2015 that he didn't do in 2014, tune in to the next episode of Gaming and BS. This is your one of your hosts, Sean. I am out of here.
1: And this is Brett. Good gaming. Good night, all.